0: You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. That's great. So take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 3. We're continuing in our series in the, in the book of Philippians, that letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. We're looking at verses 12 through 16 uh, tonight, these great, great, powerful Verses that God has given to us through the Apostle Paul. Just amazing, amazing truths we're about to look at tonight. We expect things to grow. Human beings expect that. I I promise you, sometime in the next eight weeks. I have no idea when. Some of you will take seeds and place them in soil water those seeds and the sun will then shine down on those seeds and over a period of time things will sprout out under the ground. I know that seems like a stretch on a a night like tonight but sometime in the next eight weeks you're actually going to do that. Are you looking forward to that? That's right. Yeah, we all are. We expect things to grow, right? We expect things to grow. We expect that of people as well. We expect babies to turn into toddlers and we expect Toddlers eventually to turn into teenagers and teenagers to turn into adults, right? We expect that. We expect things to grow. The same is true of spiritual growth or spiritual maturity. We expect spiritual babies, babies, people that just became Christians, we expect them to grow. We expect them to eventually become spiritual teenagers and then to become. Spiritual adults in Christ, we know that's a good expectation because that's what God wants. Like in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, he talks about the church that we're supposed to grow up in every way into him who is the head, Jesus Christ. Or Romans 8, 29, where the Apostle Paul reminds us that God wants us to be conformed into the image of his son. That's what spiritual growth and spiritual maturity is like. That's what we've been celebrating tonight you know, every single baptism has been like a, a a sign, a testimony, evidence of spiritual growth, right? The Word of God was planted, it was watered, people came to know Christ, and now they're actually willing to proclaim to even strangers that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. That's like a sign of spiritual growth, of spiritual maturity. We Expect that. It's an expectation. And unfortunately, when those expectations are not met, we know that something is wrong. I remember the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and he said to that church, he said, you know, I I desire to address you as spiritual, but I can't. I have to address you as carnal, he said. In other words, he was saying, I kind of expected you to be at a different spot than what you're at, and unfortunately, I can't address you like this. I have to actually speak to you like this. So we expect growth, we expect growth, but sometimes those expectations aren't met. And I know that's true of my own life. I want to grow in Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ here, and you share in that same kind of desire, you want to grow in Christ. I know what my position is in Christ. The Apostle Paul has just reminded us of that position in Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, when he says in verse 9 that I have a righteousness from God. In other words, I, I, I have been declared to be righteous, not by what I have done. He really clearly tells us that in the first 11 verses, that it's nothing that he's done, nothing that he's earned Nothing that he's done, but it's all through his faith in what Christ has done. He hasn't earned it, but God has extended his grace towards him and giving him that. He's declared to be righteous before God. He has this legal standing before God because he has placed his faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Christ's righteousness has been imputed unto him. It's not his righteousness that gives him the legal standing, it's because Christ is righteous, and so when God sees him, he sees him legally in this sense that that he is declared righteous because all God sees is the righteousness of Christ. That's like theology, and that's like amazing. It's amazing to think that that's the case. And I, like the Apostle Paul, know what my position is in Christ. I revel in that position Christ I know that if I were to leave this place tonight and to die and I went I went into eternity I know where I'm going because God would declare me to be righteous not because of my righteousness but because of Christ's righteousness But here's the thing I also know my life my practice in Christ I know what my position is, but I also know what my practice is like. And I got to tell you, and I know I'm in a a room full of people who can, they're not going to judge, you're not going to judge me on this. I am not always righteous. Oh, I can see, so it's same with you. You might know what your position is in Christ, but you also know what your practice is like in Christ. And we're not always righteous. And that's why I love what the Apostle Paul writes here in verse 12 of chapter 3. Look at what he says. Right after these verses in verses 1 through 11 about his position in Christ, he says in verse 12, Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it My own. What's he saying? He's saying this, that even though he knows what his position is in Christ, that he is seen to be righteous because of Christ's righteousness, he knows that he doesn't live that out perfectly in his life. Spiritual growth is all about becoming more like Christ in our life. My position in Christ more and more as my practice in Christ. My position in Christ more and more as my practice in Christ. And there's always, always, always a gap between those two things. Always, 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 always. You're never going to get rid of the gap this side of glory. There's always a gap between those two things. And that's why verses 12 through 16 are so important for us, because the apostle Paul says, that's the realization of my life. He's saying, that's the realization of your life, And because that's true, because that's true, I want to give you the key to spiritual growth, the Apostle Paul says. Do I got your attention? Look at what he says in verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, one thing I do, Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Here's your point. Here's your point for tonight's message, and it's this. Spiritual growth, if you want to grow in Christ, spiritual growth always requires a single pursuit. It requires a single pursuit. He says this in verse 13. Underline this if you can in verse 13, but one thing I do, one thing I do. In other words, this is of greatest importance. When my feet hit the ground in the morning, this is what I do. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. This is the one thing that I do. Well, I want you to know that the Apostle Paul is not under any illusion that he can actually produce spiritual growth in his own life. We know that to be true because in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, if you just kind of look at that quickly, he says this, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, God starts the work, God completes the work, God does the work. He's not trying to say to us in these verses that I can or that you can produce spiritual growth in your life. Only God changes people. Thank you. That's good. Let's let's try that again. Only God changes people. right? Only God does that. We don't do that. But here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. God does his work of change when we pursue. One thing I do, he says. This is the one thing, verse 13. And then he drops down, drop down to verse 14. The first three words in verse 14, because that's the main verb. This one thing that I do. What is the one thing that he does? He says, I press on. I press on. God produces change. God produces growth in our lives when you and I press on. It means to constantly strive after. It means with all of your energy, pursue. It means to chase after this. Chase after this. Pursue this. Pursue what? Well, look what he says in verse 14. Pursue this. Press on what? Toward the goal. It means that his, his running, his chasing after, his pursuing is not aimless. It's actually got a target attached to it, an actual goal mark. That's what the word goal means there. It means actually to have a, a mark that's the goal or a target, kind of like an archer. Right? You know, archers, I'm not very good at this. Some of you might be really good at this, but archers stand way, 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 way back, and they shoot for this little puny little target. This little target, and they let the, after, you know, after they steady themselves down, they, kind of, they let it go, and it goes shooting towards the bullseye. They hit the bullseye, they've hit their goal mark. That's what this word means. Or a runner who's about to run a race, Right? If you're going to run that race successfully, you better know what lane you're in, and you better know where the end of that race is. That's the idea here. That's what the goal mark is. It's to actually have, have a target, like what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. You run the race, right, as if you're going to win the prize, right? You've got to cross the line. This is what he's talking about here. Having a goal. So he's in hot pursuit of a target, and the target leads to what? Verse 14. For, toward the goal for the what? For the prize of the upward call. For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Right? Olympians run for medals. That's the prize. That's what the prize is. Christians run for a prize. It's called salvation. Right? It's called heaven. It's called everlasting life with God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what the prize is. The goal and the prize are linked together, but they're not the same. The goal and the prize are linked together, but they're not the same. You hit the target, you get the prize. There's a rumor out there, you know, the, the, the playoffs are on. And, um, you know, the Maple Leaf and Raptor fans, I'm sure you're excited about, about today, and yet you still chose to come to church. That's awesome. Right? There, every, each one of those teams has a goal. Do you know what the goal is? The goal, no, the goal, the goal is to win, but not to win one game, but to win how many games? 16. To be the first team to get to 16 wins. Four rounds four wins each round. If you win all 16 of those games, you get the prize. The goal is the goal is to win 16 games. If I win the 16, you win the 16 games, then you get the prize. You get the prize, right? You get the prize. You got to be the first team to win those 16 games. You get the prize. That's what they have a target. The target leads to a prize. You hit the target, you get the prize. You hit the target, you get the prize. You hit the target, you get the prize. So, what's it like in the spiritual life? What does it look like in the spiritual life? Well, let's look at what the Apostle Paul says about his own life in 2 Timothy chapter 4. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, he describes for us his goal and his prize. It's really instructive for us. I, th- I find this really, really important. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he says he's, at- he's writing these words at the end of his life. He's right near the end of his life. And he says this, this is what my goal has been. My goal has been to fight the good fight. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That's his finish line. Paul says every time, every morning I get up, when my feet hit the ground, this is what my goal is. My goal is to fight the good fight, to finish the race, to keep the faith, to be faithful to the Lord to the end, to be faithful to the Lord, to fight the good fight, to go across the struggles that I come across in my life, to do that for God's glory, to finish the race that God has given to me, to make sure I'm faithful to the very end. If that, That's what his goal is. That's what his goal is. Now, You hit that target, and what's the prize? Look at the next verse, verse 8. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Do you see it? Do you see it? The goal, the target, now the prize, the prize. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day and not only to me but also to all who have loved his appearing. That's what, that's what our, our goal is and that's what our prize is. Our goal is to be faithful to the end, to cross the finish line and, and, to, and to see God give us this prize, this prize, this crown, this crown of salvation, the glory of the Lord, just the, the rewards that he's abundantly going to give to us you say, well, why in the world is that so important? Why is this the one thing that I must do? Because when your mind and your will are not on the finish line and not on the prize, you become aimless, you get distracted, and there's no growth. You want to know why you're not growing in the Lord right now? I'm guessing. I'm only going to guess at this point because... do. A little bit of diagnosis here. The Apostle Paul is telling you why. It's because you're not, your eyes are not focused on the goal of the finish line and, and, and the prize that is truly yours. Maybe you've got a different prize. Maybe you've got a different finish line. But this is the, co- the key to spiritual growth. Spiritual maturity is not the result of age. It's the result of intentionality. It's why some who say they've been following Jesus for 50 years have little growth, and why some who have been following Jesus for five years have much growth. It's all about what you're pursuing. It's all about what you're pursuing. You say, oh man, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true at all. Well, look out for what the Apostle Paul is about to say in verse 15. Go ahead, look look at the text. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if, if, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. What's he saying there? He's saying, I'm sorry. If you don't think that I'm, that I'm right in this, you're wrong, and I'm just going to ask God to reveal to you the truth that I'm talking about right now. He's, this is what Paul is saying. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, you you've you've got to pursue the right things so let's ask ourselves some questions what is it that you are expending all of your energy towards when your feet hit the floor in the morning what is your single pursuit what are you expending all your energy towards what's your target What's your goal? What's your mind and your will focused on? What goal are you trying to hit? Every day, what goal are you trying to hit? Is it Christ-likeness? Is it finishing the race faithful to Christ? Is it finishing the race of that day faithful to Christ? When you wake up in the morning, is that the cry of your heart? Because I'm telling you, if that's not your goal, you're not going to hit it. What's your prize? What are you seeking more than anything else? What is your reward right now? Right now, what is the reward of your heart? What is that you're longing for? What is that you're hopeful for? What is the thing that you're most hopeful for? Success? Security? Family? Salvation? spiritual growth has everything to do about what you're pursuing. This is the key to spiritual maturity. That's what the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us today. That's what God is trying to tell us through the Apostle Paul. Not that I've already obtained this. I'm not, I'm not already perfect yet. I'm, I'm pressing on to make it my own. I, I, because Christ Jesus has made me his own, brothers, I don't consider that I made it my own. So this is the one thing that I do. I Press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Is that, are those words your words? That's the key. And I'm telling you, boy, that's a hard, I gotta tell you, that's just a hard thing to do every day, man. It's tough. It's hard, right? It's hard to every day live with that single kind of pursuit and single-mindedness, a heart like that. And so I want to suggest to you, there's three other things in this passage that the Apostle Paul tells us about, that God is telling us through his spirit tonight that are really key to help us gain a single pursuit in our lives, right? You ready for those? Because I need, I need something else. I need more. I need more than the Apostle Paul telling me I have to have a single pursuit. Come on, man, what else is there? All right? so here are three key things. Here's the, here it is. Here's the first one. You have to have a correct understanding if you're really going to pursue after God like this. Verse 12. let Let's read it again. Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. What's he saying there? He's saying, listen, you have, you have to understand, spiritual growth and maturity is not instantaneous. Right? Nor is it a destination that you arrive at this side of Glory. Right. It's a progressive process. You become more and more like Jesus Christ. Right. Maturity does not equal perfection. I find a lot of people get really confused about this. They think that somehow, that somehow, my my goal is to become perfect in this life. That if I'm a, a true follower of Jesus Christ, I will actually be able to reach perfection. That's not the goal. Goal is the goal is not perfection. The goal is maturity. Maturity is about, is about growing more and more like you, Jesus Christ, becoming more and more like him. Man, if the apostle Paul can't do it, man, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do it. It's not instantaneous, it's a progressive thing. It's a thing that happens step after step, and that's why it feels like some days you take three steps forward and then two steps back, or maybe Tuesdays two steps forwards and three steps back. Sometimes it looks like there's a, there's the obvious route is to go from point A to point B in your spiritual maturity is to just draw a straight line, but that God has another plan. It's like a zig and a zag before you get to that spot. Can you relate? It's not instantaneous. It's not instantaneous. And if you're going to continue to pursue every single day with this kind of pursuit that the apostle paul is talking about you have to understand it's about a progression it's a progressive process it's not about being perfect it's not about arriving it's about progressing it's about progressing that's important to know that's like so important to know you have to correct your understanding paul starts right at, right there even before he talks about pressing on he starts right there right I have not arrived. I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm in a work in progress. I get, a lot of, I get a lot of yay from that. That's amazing. If that's true for his life, it's true of my life. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. This is really important. You have to have a right motivation. Let these words sink in in verse 12. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Why is, why is he pressing on? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Christ made me his own. Let that wash over you. Let that totally wash over your spirit. Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Christ has made you his own. He has made you his own. And, and, and still and still, I get questions from people all the time who ask me things like, well, why, do have, why do I have to work hard at this single pursuit? Why do I have to press on with all this energy? I mean, I already have the prize. I don't need anything else. You know, I don't, I don't need anything else. G, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that He died on the cross, and I believe there's forgiveness. And through that, through faith, through that, I, I'm saved. I've got salvation. That's great. I'm all wrapped up. Right? Eternity's good for me. My answer to them is, is simply, you know, right. I mean, if you're if you're truly uh, saved, then yes, you have been justified. You've been declared to be righteous, and one day you're going to be glorified and you're going to you will step into eternity and God you will experience salvation a perfection like you could never experience in this side but you're also called to be sanctified now sanctified now a progressive kind of process that's why the apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 6 verse 1 what shall we say then are we to continue in sin that grace may abound the answer to that question is no John MacArthur uh, says it this way. He says, "Spiritual children have a built-in desire and drive for growth. It's a sign of assurance for you. And if you're not in pursuit of the goal, then you—you you have no assurance of winning the prize." I would never presume to take the place of God and knowing the condition of your heart. I'm just speaking to your own personal assurance of winning the prize. If you're not in pursuit of the goal, then you have no assurance of winning the prize. Grace is what grows us. Grace grows us. Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth when he. He was telling them about being generous with the things that they had. He said, he, he went, what did he do? He went straight to the example of Jesus Christ. He said, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Think on that, and it will lead to generosity towards others. Right? Why? Why? Because grace changes us. Grace changes us. Because Christ Jesus has made me His own, and and if you don't have the right motivation, you're not going to pursue. You're not going to every day you get up. You're not going to be when your feet hit the floor. You're not going to be thinking about pursuing, right? It, because it, it's all about grace. You got to be reminding yourself of the grace. I, I I know that's true because there are times in my life when I feel like, well, I have to do these things. I have to do these things. I have to do these things, and. And yet when I start to think about the grace of God and how he's shown me that through Jesus Christ, all of a sudden the have to moves to a get to, it moves to a want to. Why? Because grace changes us. It changes us. Every single significant step of growth in my life Every push forward that God has made and changed my life has always started with the same thing. Grace. It's always been in the moments when I come to a fuller realization, a deeper understanding, a greater experience of God's love for me in Jesus Christ. It's when when i've experienced those things is when i have been released it's like it's like the holy spirit has been released in my life to produce massive amount of change in my life why it's because grace changes us because christ jesus has made me his own he's made me his own That's the heart of the matter. We are in a single pursuit in response to God's grace. We're responding to God's grace. We have to have the right motivation. We have to have the right motivation. Please hear me. You have to have the right motivation. It's about God's grace, Christ. Here's the third thing. Here's the third thing. If you're going to keep this pursuit up, here's the third thing. You have to have a future orientation. Verse 13. But one thing I do, then he goes down to verse 14, but don't miss these other words. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. In other words, he's saying, this is how I press on. This is how I actually do this. This is how I continue to press on. I, I, I don't live in the past. I don't live in the past. Forget what lies behind. Don't get stuck in the past. If you're going to continue to pursue the goal that leads towards the prize, if you're going to do that every single day of your life, you've got to forget the past. You've got to not live in the past. Don't get stuck in the past. Put behind you the things in your past that negatively impact your spiritual growth. Like achievements. That's, where, that's really the context of Philippians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul is talking about all these things that he used to do. Right? He, was, he was like the, a legalist of all legalists. He used to have the did, I did all these things, I did all these things, all these achievements that he had. Well, sometimes you just, you gotta let go of that stuff. Religious achievements, successes, things that make you less hungry for your pursuit of the finish line. I don't know what those are for you, but what are the things that make you less hungry for your pursuit of the finish line? Beware of pride. Beware of false humility. Humble yourself before the Lord, right? It's all grace. It's all grace. Everything that God's given you in your life, it's all grace. It's his goodness. It's his grace. It's not about you. It's not about your success. It's not about your achievements. It's all grace, Get rid of those things. Don't live in the past. And then there's things like failures. The wrongs you have done or have been done to you by others that lead you to being paralyzed with bitterness, guilt, and despair. Forgiveness can release you from that. It can release you. Forgiveness from God and forgiveness towards others. You can't experience the forgiveness from God for the things that you have done in your past, and you are not able to express a level of forgiveness towards others who have wronged you. It's going to hurt your ability to grow in Christ. You won't be in pursuit. You won't be in pursuit. You just, you, you won't be. That's why I like what Tim Keller says. Now, other people have said this, but this is where I heard it. I heard it from him. He said, don't let success go to your head. Don't let failure go to your heart. Why? Because it impacts your pursuit. Don't let success go to your head. Don't let failure go to your heart. It's important. So don't live in the past, but look what he says next. Live for the future, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Christian, your best days are ahead of you. Your best days are ahead of you. So strain with every spiritual muscle that you have to hit the target and cross the finish line. Expend all the concentration you need, every ounce of effort you need, every level of intensity that you need. Do it. Do it. Now I want you to imagine, just for a moment. I want you to imagine. Imagine that this white rope is endless, and it's not. It's 50 feet long. But imagine it's on. And this is. I. I got this from Francis Chan. Somebody's saying, "I've seen this before." Yes, you have. It's on YouTube. <laughs> um, imagine that this rope goes on forever, and it represents your existence. Your existence is a long white rope, you know, long white rope. This little little red piece, this little red piece represents the existence of your life here now on this earth, this little piece. And then the rest of it, the rest of it, the rest of it just kind of goes on. That represents eternity. You're going to exist somewhere. Do you know that? You're going to exist somewhere for the rest of eternity. You're going to either exist in heaven, the new heavens and new earth, or you're going to exist in hell. It's a long time, right? long time. So just imagine that. You know what? It's kind of interesting. It's kind of interesting. We spend, most of us spend all of our time, all of our time focused on this without any consideration to this. right? We make all of our decisions. We make all of our decisions. We say, you know what? I'm going to work for 45 years, and then I'm going to take a break for 20. I'm going to make enough money, then I'm going to travel. Then i make some more money, and I'm going to buy a big screen TV. I'm going to, when I retire, I'm going to do A, B, C, D. We make all of our decisions. We just think about all these things. Yeah, and then we have relationship issues along here. We always think about our relationships in light of this, you know, this person wronged me here. I'm not going out for lunch with them anymore. I'm not going to talk to that person. I'm going to make a new friend here. Oh, she did something bad to me. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to do that with them anymore. All we ever think, all we ever think about is this. What about this? What about this? Don't live in the past, live for the future. That's how you press on. Makes sense, doesn't it? Makes total sense. You stop to think of it, it just makes sense. You have one chance, you've got one chance with life on this earth, one chance. Live for the finish line, live for the prize. Live now to impact the future. He ends this passage with these words in verse 16. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Fall in step with what you have attained, he says. If, your position, if you have a position in Christ, you know you're declared to be righteous, you have the imputed righteousness of Christ on you, then fall in line with that. Follow that and let that be your practice, the way you live in Christ. This one thing I do, he says, I press on, Toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. How do we respond to that? Well, you know, I was thinking about this all week, about my own life, and I just thought to myself, you know what? I I, got to repent. Because it's too easy for us to become complacent with where we are in Christ not pursuing the finish line of faithfulness, not thinking about the prize that's awaiting for me, this beautiful prize of salvation. We need to repent of that. We need to repent of that. We need to repent of pursuits that are only temporal without any consideration of the eternal. We need to repent about pursuing out of duty rather than delight, about not responding and every day from a flow from God's grace because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Christ Jesus has made me his own. I can't get over that. We can't get over that. Don't ever get over that. So I don't know where you are tonight, but let's just bow for a word of prayer. Let those who have ears hear, Father... Let those who have ears hear. Father, I just pray that in this moment right now, even as we sing, God, that you would just bless our response. May the words that you hear sung come from our hearts that are full of repentance tonight because we know we become complacent. We know we live most of our time thinking about temporal things and not ever considering the eternal. And yes, there are many days and we take our eyes off the grace that is found in Jesus Christ. Christ made me his own. So pursue. Pursue. Pursue towards that goal that target line of finishing faithful for Christ, knowing that what awaits you is this prize. Oh, the glorious prize. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.